0: Welcome, everybody. It's the 6th of June 2022, but you're listening to this episode of Citizen D podcast on the 15th of June 2022. With us today is a designer, coach, and visual explainer, Per Axpom, who's been focusing on the issues of ethical tech development for more than 20 years. During that time, he worked professionally with usability, accessibility, and user experience since mid-90s. He's an advocate of responsible innovation, helping designers understand and manage the impact of their work. So welcome,
1: Pierre. Wow, thank you. <laughs> uh, my first question,
0: uh, researching or, or trying to, to to see what you did or what you do online, I, I, I came across your I think it was one of your earliest uh, projects called Dick Pick Locator, and right. <laughs> uh, it's it's awesome to to start to start a podcast uh, um, on a on a serious matter of ethical tech development with with dick pics. Mm. So can you uh, sort of as an introduction describe what what the project was
1: about and and what was what was the goal? Uh, yeah, excellent that you found that. I was—I was, I think that was back in 2017. So it was one of my earlier projects in trying to get people to become more aware about ethical subjects online. And I think it was me sitting down with my wife and talking about uh, dick pics because we'd seen uh, a talk about it uh, by Linnea Clausen here in Sweden, who, who's an activist uh, as well and uh i was talking about the problem and my wife my wife was listening to me and she said but you you've always told me that people can see if i upload my images i need to turn off that gps positioning because people can see the location of where the photo was taken can't you then see the the location of where the dick pic was taken and i realized well of course you can and i realized well that's so simple that's just a simple tool to build and i think what you have to realize when i built this tool is that it's there's nothing unique about it The the most unique thing about it is the name of it, the dick pic locator. So it was an experiment uh, where where I was also thinking that, as expected, as soon as nudity and sex is involved in some way, the message will get much more traction in the traditional media. Mm -hmm. Uh, But on the other hand, some of what I was trying to do, I think, got a bit lost as well. Because, of course, I was trying to address this real huge problem of of, of, uh, people being harassed online uh, and people sending unsolicited dick pics. But I also was trying to make people aware that there is something going on here, where this data is being collected and people are giving it away without even realizing. So I probably I was I was being too complex and having trying trying to have people understand that I'm addressing two types of problems when trying to make people aware of them.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: really, um, you want to expose the people to send dick pics, but you also want to protect protect the people who inadvertently send location information that could hurt them by people finding out their location and coming to hurt them. So we want to do both. We want to protect and we want to retaliate against the offenders. Mm. But we can't really do both always. Mm. And that is the struggle, I think, within the ethics space is that we can use the technology to 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 find those people who harm others, but that in itself can harm the people who are sharing information, but not knowing that they are sharing too much? Mm-hmm. Here's my here's my next question. It it
0: sort of draws into this uh, idea or this uh, yeah uh, light motif that we've been having on on our podcast for a while. It's basically uh, tech combating tech, right? So using uh, technological uh, solutions like services or 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 tools. To sort of address the issue of of abusive tech or or let's say tech that is being used for for abusive purposes, mm. and how do you see
1: how do you see the end game of of uh, that that concept? It's interesting because I think the the as I've progressed and become more aware of the issues, it's it's so hard to see an end game. The end game itself is an interesting concept because it sort of assumes there is this future world where we have a a measurable concept of everyone being content with how everything is. But I think my philosophy is, is rather contrarian to this. I believe that that settling and thinking, oh, look, we're done now. We have equity, equality, and fair distribution of resources. I think that thought is very dangerous because I, I want to teach the idea that we always need to be questioning our assumptions, be careful with our words, listen to people with differing, differing perspectives, and, and move perhaps more slowly as well in, in a direction that aligns with our values in in order to not veer off too far in the wrong direction. Mm. So I think what I'm trying to do with tech is more show a different path. So plant the seeds today that can carry on in the minds of others, and maybe even centuries from now, and still have an impact, but the problems will be different. But uh, what I'm trying to do is make people understand that, yeah, you're walking along along this path and you're you're perhaps having fun, uh, but look over here. Uh, Hmm. we also have this other space where we can interact, and there are no ads and there are no algorithms and there's no one trying to influence your behavior Uh, so there's something different going on so i just want to make people aware rather than push them in a certain direction Hmm. i want them to be able to make the decisions for themselves
0: Hmm. You, you you've been at this concept of of ethical tech development for for a while and i want to hear your thoughts on on the current state of of developer universe right so right now we have an uptake of of interest of this let's say self regulatory model of of ethical tech development which wasn't present let's say 5 or or yeah 10 years ago you didn't you didn't hear let's say apple and facebook and google uh, putting too much effort or too much emphasis on on this uh, on this concept and now this yeah perception is is at least in my opinion changing so how do you see this this development where did it where did that self regulatory model this ethical tech development started maybe even for you and where is it now in
1: 2022 oh <laughs> that's a broad <laughs> question uh, it's excellent stuff i i think uh, the self self regulation positioning that a lot of these big tech companies are applying now is because they do not want to be regulated themselves, of course. Uh, uh, The reason we're here is because it's becoming more and more apparent for more and more people uh, that something is going on here that we don't like. A lot of people don't know exactly what's going on, but they understand that our data is being collected it's being perhaps sold and that's not entirely true because it's, it's not being sold. It's often being just used to target consumers. And then we, we, we realized that, well, maybe that's not what I want but I still want to participate on these platforms. So what, So there's, an, like, there's a broad opinion uh, within normal citizens but also politicians and of course, IT specialists uh, who are activists helping people understand that we don't want uh, these organizations to act this way because it can be dangerous. They can actually harm people. Uh, so I think that whole movement of the opinion changing means that companies realize, well, we have to address this. And so they are talking along the lines of ethics. They're really even having ethics conferences uh, hosted by these these big, uh, big tech companies. But they're not really and truly changing their behavior, but they're allowing the discussions, but not... Uh, T- taking any real concrete measures to change the actual harm that they're doing it when it comes to collecting uh, personal data and changing perhaps the defaults of their systems. I think one of my favorite examples is uh, uh, Tristan Harris is a big name in the in the ethics movement uh, and once he started when he was working at Google talking about these issues they actually gave him the p- position uh, of being a, an I F- I can't remember exactly his title now but it was like the person working on ethics at google mm-hmm. so they put him in a room and he and they allowed him to do research for a year and then he realized soon enough that well they put me in here but that was only because that means i can't go out and complain and make people aware mm-hmm. uh, so what's happening now is rather that what i call ethics washing that people the same similar to green people are talking about ethics or companies talking about ethics but not really performing what needs to be done to, to make the changes because it's just too profitable if they mm-hmm. made these changes uh, that means they would lose uh, 25 to 50 percent of their incomes if they went away from what we call today behavioral advertising to contextual advertising mm-hmm. which means they don't they don't need to collect the same amount of data to show ads but they need to because they're more efficient and they make more money
0: mm-hmm.
1: so so why did it all or how did it all went
0: so wrong I mean, as, as you've mentioned, or as we already mentioned, you and other people have been focusing on, on ethical tech development for, for several years, maybe even, maybe even decades. So the idea, the concept of, of responsible tech was, was always there, right? So, mm-hmm. so why wasn't it picked up or, or, you know, why is it only used when, yeah, as you've mentioned, companies need to stave off uh, regulators by saying, okay, we got this, don't touch the big red button.
1: I think people are actually stuck and they find themselves stuck because uh I think the easiest way to explain it is that when I teach um like at vocational colleges and I, I talk to my students, we always start talking about values and value systems and who do I want to be and what do I want to stand for and how do I want my work to impact the world. Uh and that that they think that's great, that's wonderful for them, because that means. Uh, that they have that tool set with them uh, embodied when they go out into the workplace. But all the people who were working in tech, they all of a sudden woke up one morning and realized, well, I'm contributing to harm. Uh, But it's not that these these companies intended to to be harmful. It's uh, the case is that they grew really fast. We have these, I mean, everybody laughs about uh, move fast and, and break things. That was the mindset of the, of the early tech era uh, or online era, where, where companies were uh, assuming that if we move fast, build it and test it and, and see if it works, then, then we can move faster than everybody else. And that is, was the power of the internet. But we moved so fast without checking if we were moving in the wrong direction. And then we moved so far along that it was so profitable and became so profitable acting in the way that, you, that everyone did, but, uh, and it made it sort of impossible to walk back uh, that direction. So companies and, and, and employees, I, I, mean, I talk to a lot of people who are aware of the issues, but it's so hard to address them because they don't have that voice. They don't have that mandate. There's nobody in the executive management uh, team that actually has uh, the power to change how an entire organization, especially if we're talking about big tech, changes the way it makes its profits. Because that would also have another type of impact. It would mean that the company has to lay people off. It has to make less money. Uh, so, I think that a lot of uh, people inside companies then then argue that well, that's an ethical dilemma in itself. If the company ceases to exist, that affects a lot of people as well. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't it wouldn't be that they cease to exist, of course, but it, they would probably need to downsize based on the fact that what is making them so profitable is completely unethical practices. Mm. you you mentioned before
0: the the greenwashing the so-called greenwashing of of ethical tech development that is being propped uh, yeah. up by even by ethics
1: washing yeah
0: ethics washing mm. how do you spot that or what are some like key points you need to watch out for when you're listening to let's say google ceo or or other other giants of industry talking about responsible and and uh, yeah careful tech development
1: well, I, I think that is, is exactly, ironically, exactly what you have to, have to watch out for is the talk. <laughs> because talk, <laughs> talking is very easy. Uh, it's easy to, to convince people that you uh, have a benevolent intent, that you want the best for people, that you are trying hard, that you are making changes, and you can make these small changes to the browser uh, I mean, that's a ex- perfect example, actually, with Google, you, you make this, uh, you, you won't be able to track third party cookies soon in Chrome, but then they kind of still push in this, this tracking behavior where they inside Google's browser can track across websites and if you don't don't want to allow that as a developer and a website builder and owner, you actually have to put some code into the header and mm. uh, that probably may be changing right now because there's been a lot of pushback as well, but that, that is what keeps going on. I also have this example of, cause I was researching uh, how to embed YouTube videos on your website mm-hmm. uh, w- w- and, and maintaining privacy. And it's funny because you have this setting when you embed, when you embed YouTube videos that is actually, actually says privacy enhanced or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it redirects you to another YouTube domain, YouTube no cookies. And it's true, it doesn't set cookies, but instead, it actually uh, <laughs> it actually sets uh, inside the browser uh, a setting that is maintained across, uh, across sessions, regardless of cookies. So it's mm-hmm. tracking you anyway, mm-hmm. but just in another way than the way you decided that you didn't want to. Mm-hmm. So it, they keep saying and promising stuff. So I don't know how many times they can do this. They promise something and they do the same thing, but in another way uh it's 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 frustrating so the and the other way i think to to see ethics washing going on is that people often talk about having these uh like guidelines uh uh, ethical bullet lists where the teams have to like read this and and sign off on it Uh, and they don't really change their work work processes but it's more interesting to hear the the people on stage at conferences talking about this is what our teams do regularly we, uh, in our workflow, in our processes. When we have our retrospective, if we work in sprints, we always do these ethical uh, evaluations where we talk about how could this cause harm? What would be, what, if we want to try it, to make this happen, what if that doesn't happen? What are the other, other possible uh, uh, outcomes of what we're trying to build? So that, actually putting that into your work that is when i hear people doing the right thing mm. when i when i hear people talking about yes we're going to do better and we've done this research uh, it's always that nothing nothing is actually happening but there are lots of pretty words being said
0: mm. and and there's another issue connected with with ethical development you you've mentioned it in in let's say in, in passing but i think it it matters it, so these Mm, ethics washings or these principles of of self-regulatory models always focus on on the end user right so so they they um, investigate or explore the relationship between the tech service or or platform and and the end user Mm. and they try to sort of empower the end user to have all of these, you've mentioned, you know, set the no cookie domain for YouTube, uh, select uh, the select, uh, ways you want to be or don't want to be tracked, uh, then this this idea, this concept of, of empowered user trickles down into, into uh, legal frameworks like the GDPR, where the user is, you know, the all-powerful and he clicks or she clicks on on mm-hmm. Items and stuff like that. Do you think that that is the right way to, to go in terms of, you know, we have other instances in our society that it, that can sort of take the load off the end user that doesn't doesn't have the, the willpower, the, the knowledge, the skills, the, the time to you know uh, do all this and, and still still be still be a, a functional, let's say, worker or, or a citizen.
1: Exactly. That's a, it's a really good point. Uh, we don't want to put more effort and load and, and, and struggles on the end user. And I think governments have a really important role here. Um, that, one of the things I also tend to bring up is how, how many uh, public sector organizations are sort of forcing uh, their citizens into using digital service and using uh, apps on phones because that is how you now interact uh, with governmental services mm-hmm. and so you're being forced to use digital services but you're actually not being taught about them mm-hmm. there is no there are no guides you can visit that can help you along with how you log into these different services and how you how you approach uh, all the things that previously was done via phone or or or, or via email even or even via like sending in um, <laughs> paper, uh, paper uh, forms. And, and the thing that has happened is that I, I, I tend to mention is that people who were able to do things just 15 years ago, like apply for a job or ride on a bus, especially here in Sweden, when we, where every region, we have 21 regions uh, in Sweden, and each one has control over how the public transport payment system works and, and it for some while here it was different almost in, in at least 15 of them and it's it's just becoming extremely confusing to be a citizen and all of these all of these public sector organizations are contributing to this and they're not taking responsibility for actually helping people cope with the tech that they are forcing upon them and that is a huge issue and I think that we need as citizens to actually make that uh, something that we we strive to have our our elected officials actually move move more towards helping citizens cope with the technology and protecting people against the technology. They mm. are the ones that can actually do that.
0: Mm. But but where do you see? the this this let's say where do you see the start of this avalanche uh, as you've mentioned and as we've all known nobody sets out to be evil right there's no arch nemesis that says i'm going to create the ultimate spy weapon of global surveillance whatever but hmm. it's it's more of a even even examining let's say surveillance advertising you can see that that it's basically the the, the end result the bad at, re, at end result is is basically a a, a summary of bad decisions of, of on many levels on many individual or Good. or separate organizations or, or individuals exactly. and and i want to hear your thoughts on where do you see the like the Who's the patient zero in this case? Where does, the, <laughs> where does the first bad idea start that then culminates into, into this you know, burning stable that <laughs> engulfs the world? <laughs>
1: I mean, uh, top of mind for me, as, as I've been moving along now is of course, what's been happening, happening with Twitter right now with Elon Musk wanting to buy hmm. Twitter. Uh, And then people starting to talk, well, can I even stay on here? Should I stay on here? Well, where else would I go? Uh, And it actually surfaces a lot of these questions that we have uh, and that we need need to sit down and reflect upon, but we rarely take the time to do. Uh, And what I see now is, um, as I'm sort of, (laughs) Uh, moving away from all these these algorithm-based uh, platforms like Twitter and LinkedIn and so on, mm-hmm. uh, is that I I feel I have more people following along. I've tried this before moving to like the, the Fediverse and these decentralized platforms uh, called Mastodon and the like. Mm-hmm. And now I see people that have never been there before actually staying for a longer period of time. I think the shift is not <laughs> like a one day we wake up even though history always portrays it like that and this happened and this, this happened but it's always a very very slow move, movement and we need to allow it to be slow and we need to not be uh, so enraged about it but just as i was sort of alluding to in the beginning show that here's a different path so what are you trying to do i, I can show you how you can do exactly that but not be over there but be over here where people are not exploiting you and your data and perhaps making you feel things that you wouldn't feel if the algorithms weren't trained to make you feel that way. Uh, and so <laughs> I, I, I do like the idea of the patient zero, but always <laughs> there's like probably thousands of patient zeros that are, are moving in one direction. And that, and that makes it seem like, hey, something's happening here. Uh, mm-hmm. And it feels emotionally correct for us to follow along. Uh, it's going to take, I say, at least two more decades before it tru- truly happens. Uh, it, it, it's taking a long time and because the tools even in, in the world the alternative tools as i realized is they work but they still they still require this as you were uh, mentioning as well for, for ordinary citizens they require this effort of understanding mm-hmm. it's so different and uh, it sort of feels like i need to know tech but you really don't so i think i as a designer and my, my peers we have this huge responsibility to spend more time with the benevolent tools uh the ones that don't don't exploit and help people uh, or help make those more user friendly more welcoming and more in tuned uh, or really accommodating to people and what they really they really are after because people are finding their way but it's hard to stay because of course there's not It's not the same thing because you don't have millions of users over there. You have just Mm. a few and that can Mm. feel nice at first, but then you start missing something and then you need to start having these conversations and being, being attentive and and asking questions and, and showing that, okay, so this doesn't work for you, but here's another way. So we need all these ambassadors sort of moving around and helping people again, because the the, the government hasn't, hasn't helped, isn't helping people. Somebody has to be helping the people. I Mm. sometimes talk about, how libraries are, are, have this function in society where people can actually go to libraries and, and the librarians are extremely helpful in in showing how you, you use online services, especially public sector ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's extremely helpful, but they, that should be more systemic and systemized uh, and they should be paid to do it really. Because mm. that would be
0: my, my follow-up question. So mm-hmm. so we've been talking or uh, you've been now explaining the, the concept that, that ties into this user that is all powerful or that knows what he or she wants and, and tries mm-hmm. to move away from these services that are let's say bad mm-hmm. but on the other side there, there there's been recently an so-called incident or a or a yeah maybe even a scandal with with the like the privacy orientated um, search engine that go go which turned out that you know despite all the all the branding and all the, the, the advertising, pun intended, mm. he was, or they were cooperating with, with Microsoft, providing them with, with user data and, and so forward. Mm. So my guess, or my next question would be, how do you see the connection between, you've, you've started to, to talk about in, in your conclusion for the last answer, the, the state and the, the industry? So, you know, looking back into regulatory models of, let's say, phone and television and radio, radio stations, there was always this, this cooperation forced or willing between the, the state and, and the industry. And mm. I want to hear your, your thoughts on, on, on the current, let's say, uh, situation of, of, of digital tech in that regard.
1: I think we are. We have huge problems in that uh, the state uh, is actually hugely, hugely influenced by the tech industry and the tech companies in that the state has doesn't have the knowledge and power to understand everything that, that's going on. I think um, AI is the perfect example where so many people today are talking about AI, but actually don't know what's going on but we're still the public sector companies organizations are actually buying these solutions even for healthcare and these uh, chatbots are supposed to help us uh, uh, in healthcare and they can be extremely dangerous but we don't never talk about the dangers because even the journalists sometimes i mean there are journalists who are really good at understanding this concept as well but the people buying this is the the procurement process is is really dangerous as well so Uh, we are in a situation where there needs to be a shift in competence, a growth in competence or a shift in the people engaging uh, with the procurement processes for state-owned services, meaning that we need to start, stop buying systems where we actually don't know what the outcome and impact will be. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that is one of the, one of my pet peeves is that, it can be very dangerous I'm, because I'm seeing this. I'm working, I'm working in healthcare and that's why it's top of mind for me where I'm seeing everyone say, well, we can solve that with AI and we can solve that with AI, but they actually don't know what AI is. It's, it's this illusion of autonomous algorithms that's really dangerous because people still f- seem to think that algorithms can learn by themselves and they can operate by themselves and there's nobody responsible behind it because it's sort of it's neutral because it's an algorithm. But um, I mean, of course, software cannot learn what it was not programmed to do. Uh, and I think if, if you say it's autonomous, I always ask, well, could the system say, uh, I don't want to do this anymore, I'm tired of it. No, hmm. it can't do that. Well, then it's not autonomous.
0: <laughs> uh, I think that
1: should be considered a core part of autonomy. And it's it's being thrown around so much this day. But if we if we contribute to perpetuating perpetuating the idea of autonomous machines with free will, we contribute to misleading the lawmakers and society at large and, and more people will believe that the makers or the people who make the system they're faultless when the actions of software actually harm humans mm. and, and the duty of enforcing accountability will actually weaken because what happens is that the companies say well it, it was a software issue so we're not responsible but if we allow them to say that how can they actually receive any praise whatsoever when these systems actually do work and perhaps create benevolent outcomes because they're saying they can't control them. Essentially. That's why, mm. it, that's why it failed. Mm. So this, this narrative is, is hugely dangerous. That's going on today. I think AI is one of the most dangerous concepts being sold uh, to, to countries across the world.
0: Mm. And and do you see that that changing in terms of, of let's say, educated decision makers? Cause it seems to me that, that we've been always battling with this, with this, uh, with this concept of, of unskilled, unskilled decision maker that, that has been influenced by by lobbyists, by the industry, mm-hmm. right? Spanning back to, I don't know, the cookie directive, copyright reform, and and all of these things. So, mm-hmm. so how long you, you've mentioned several years for the for the users to to catch up. Uh how long until the, the decision makers do do something similar? It's
1: an interesting question, Mine, because of... The issue is, isn't always competence. The issue is sometimes also money because mm. you see lawmakers uh, becoming employed at the big companies uh, mm. that they're supposed to criticize <laughs> <laughs> or at least or at least uh, regulate. And so there's so much going on there and there's so much money at play. I mean, the, the amount of money that these companies have, it's just, and the amount of information and data they have on everyone is <laughs> mm. just unprecedented. So it's so hard to, to think about well how can we balance that power do, because they will obviously uh they 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 employ a lot of people they, there's always these these things that they can say to to threaten uh, organis- uh countries as well because they're that big what they do where they build their uh, software centers and where they where they have their offices that makes a difference because that brings a lot of money to places and brings employment And so they can actually uh, have this overall arguments about uh, if we leave and if we do this, it will actually impact your bottom line. It will impact all these people. So these are difficult conversations to have for the lawmakers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's when we need to because because we can see that this is so difficult. I think we need to stop. I think. I don't remember what state it was that actually decided to, to ban facial recognition uh, overall. And I think we need to mes- see more of those decisions because we need more time. We need more time to make sure that we are going in the, wrong, in the right direction. Because I said in the beginning, actually, sometimes we move too far in the wrong direction. And it's so hard to go back. And that's, mm. that's exactly what happened. We went so far in one direction now, it's really hard to go back. So now we need to make sure that we don't continue in the same direction. We need to stop and think. Mm. And that is the, the the biggest challenge because how do you how do you motivate to your to your voters and say that, well, we're going to stop some development now because we need two years to actually decide. Where do we want to go with this technology? Mm.
0: Before we move on to the last subject, just one sub question in in this uh, in this connection with what you just said. So, a lot of the times, calls for for ethical development, responsible development, or or let's say no development at all, are mm. met with with the critique from the industry that okay, this will this will harm our our growth. This will harm our our um, our uh, uh, GDP. This will this will be. You know, th- 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 we Farm are innovation, th- yeah, harm innovation and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, competitiveness. Right. Usually, it's if you're located inside the European Union, then it's mm-hmm. okay. the The Chinese are coming. The the Americans are coming. We're yeah. gonna be we're gonna be dead last. Mm-hmm. Do you think that is that's a valid critique, or do you think this is just another way of of ethic washing or or scaring the decision makers into into not doing, let's say, the right thing?
1: I think you answered the question right there at the end. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean because uh, the, we don't have competition today. We have a few uh, online platforms that actually control most of the data in the world, that control most of the content, that control the language. Uh, and so it's very, very difficult for someone to to get into this space. I mean, for an example, like, Becoming a search and building a search engine today, when you actually have websites blocking uh, these uh, crawlers that need to be need to crawl the web to to get the content for a search engine, you know, most websites are blocking those and only allowing Google. So there is, I mean, the impossibility of it all of building stuff today is is just mind blowing because so we don't have competition in the sense that everybody says you want competition, but what could be harmed, you say, is is innovation. But I think innovation isn't just about building stuff. It's innovation is also about deciding where do we wanna go? How, how can we figure out our direction? How do we want our society to look? And all that thinking is also innovation. And that is really what I'm going into and more competence and learning as well so that we can make these correct decisions because there are a lot of decisions being made based on promises uh, by the big tech that we are trying to regulate and they're saying well we're, we'll self-regulate that's no problem and that's easy to say yes to uh but if we, we aren't aware enough and are not educated enough to understand what's really going on we will never make the right decisions so that's why we need to stop for a while and breathe
0: <laughs> and and just final question we've talked about the the macro level and now uh, let's let's bring it out to to a micro level so Imagine you're advising, let's say, a new a group of people that is, that is setting up, a, a let's say, a digital company or a developer studio and yeah. wants to develop a, a useful and uh, actually functioning self-regulatory model. So yeah. what are some things that you would say to them they need to consider uh, to make this this self-regulatory model work in, in the long run and, and hopefully for, for everybody involved? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, that is when you're in the best position, of course, is when you're starting out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is when you can talk amongst yourself. You're often a smaller team. Uh, you can talk about your values. You can talk about, you, I can ask questions uh, along the lines of what will we do when something goes wrong? Because you can be open about the fact that something will always go wrong. Uh, how do we manage uh, our supply chains? What are we de- our dependencies? What do we think about those companies that we are dependent on? How can we be transparent to our users about how we think about that so that we communicate our values? Because I think that's what I often argue. That can actually be a competitive advantage of being more transparent about this is what we believe, this is what we think. And more people will actually be drawn to those types of companies in the future. Mm. Uh, And in the way that you work, we need... I like the word regulation because it alludes to the word uh, uh, regular as well you need mm-hmm. to do things regularly you need to, to often every month talk about and bring up the issues of impact and how you are impacting not only your users but people outside those users like the family members like the society at large in the country or if you have start having millions of users what does that mean for them if some people are left outside and your product becomes very successful how do you ensure that people aren't uh, people's lives aren't getting worse because you changed that payment system and it was successful for, for 70% of people, but 30% of people actually now have a, have, have a much worse life because they, they can't travel in the same way that they did before. And mm-hmm. you need to start taking responsibility for for things that are outside your own, what you first may think is your own ecosystem. Because if you build something, it is like placing something into an ecosystem. I and mean, we you know if we place the wrong animal or, or plants into an ecosystem, it can actually destroy so much, so many other things. So Mm -hmm. if we start thinking more like that, it helps you to, to decide that if we put this into this, this ecosystem, what do we want to happen? What do we want to expect to happen? What are the, the connections and relations we have to other types of services? What people are we affecting? And those conversations can be had regularly, but you also need to bring in different perspectives. That's always what I teach my students as well, is that, we don't we cannot anticipate everything ourselves that is that is hugely important because it's very the way that teams the most teams look uh, and are assembled today it's very monocultural in that it's often white it's often male it's often young uh, when it comes to building new systems and starting new companies we need to bring in other voices the people who or never listen to the people who are vulnerable, who know and are experienced in what can go wrong, because they've seen it all go wrong. If you're prepared to listen to those people, you will do a better job.
0: Hmm. Ending on a positive note, which is very strange for, for Citizen D, since we usually address the issues <laughs> that, are, that are bad and, and without any, let's say, legitimate answers. Uh, Thank you, Per, for for dropping by, for your time and and insight. And we wish you the best of luck with, with your future endeavors. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks.